0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball. 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the ninth day of August, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, uh, are the Giants still playing? Is that Giants game still going on? I am not convinced it's over. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm gonna talk a little bit about the game specifically because it may have been the game of the year. Uh, the the Giants were losing by a lot in the fifth in the seventh inning when they went on a five run rally, and then the game just got to be truly bananas. The Marlins took the lead, the Giants tied the game, and then both sides just could not do piddly poo, and both teams. Put runners on base. Neither team could get anyone out. Madison Bumgarner came in as a pinch hitter, and you know what? Jose Fernandez, one of my favorite pitchers in baseball, was pitching a solid game. Yeah, he let up probably a little too many hits. He had six hits in the six innings, walked two, but he struck out six. And the Giants were clearly having trouble rallying, and they lifted him. How many pitches did? Jose Fernandez throw yesterday, um, or this morning. Now, right, he threw 106 pitches. Well, maybe that's why they lifted him. But, you know, they went to the well, brought out Mr. 3000 Ichiro, and next thing you know, we're heading into extra innings. And, you know, poor, what's his name, Dustin, is Dustin McGowan? Poor Dustin McGowan, who's gone through enough injury issues in his life anyway, Pitched three and two-thirds innings. He walked five. I think two of them were intentional. I know three of them were intentional. Um, so you can't crap him on that. And he got the loss. But, man, he comes out of the bullpen and gives you nearly four innings. And then you bring in, you know, Kasher, who let up uh, the game-winning hit. It was a crazy game. And one where uh, Brandon Crawford... He nearly hit for the second. He did not homer. He did everything else. He got seven hits, seven damn hits, including the go-ahead run in the fourteenth inning, and he was thrown out. He was trying to stretch it into a, when the ball kind of got away from the the catcher. He tried to get a he tried to run out of the way into to second base. Um, but there he was. He went. He got. He was seven for six. Or so, though. That would be something. If he went seven for six, holy crap, you know, call Ripley's. Um, He went seven for eight, drove in two, including the game winning run. We'll talk about that later. I think it's safe to say he owned baseball. Uh, I've made this observation before, and I'm going to make it again. Somewhere out there, someone is a fantasy baseball owner of Brandon Crawford. And he put him on the bench today. He said, do you know what? They're facing Jose Fernandez. Fernandez is probably going to shut him down. I'm going to be clever and not start Brandon Crawford. And lo and behold, he went seven for eight. So it'd be, this was if the Giants win the West, and I think they will. I cannot believe how the Dodgers are you know, not only hanging in this, but actually making up ground. A big reason for this is the Giants have not been playing well. You know, the Dodgers are only a game out. And uh, the Marlins are currently just... uh, They're tied with St. Louis for the second wildcard spot. This is one of those games that if the Giants wind up winning the division and only by a handful of games, they're going to have to look at today's game and go like, man, that's, uh, that's a big reason. Right there, that's a big reason. And, um... And also for Miami, because it's going to be touch and go. We've got about a little under two months left to go this season, and you have the Dodgers, who have obviously been playing really, really well, but are capable of going on a losing streak. St. Lou, who won in a weird game where they scored five in the bottom of the ninth, on a bases loaded walk and a bases loaded hit by pitch. Two of the stupidest ways you can lose a game. Miami, still have the Mets hanging around, still have the Pirates hanging around. Um, you still have the, dot, the, the The Rockies are kind of, a, you know, they're on the outside looking in, but they're, you know, four games out there, just a winning streak away from getting back into it. So the Marlins have got to look at a game. and said, you're up, what, 5-1 with Jose Fernandez pitching and then going into the you know 14th inning, which means one swing of the bat in the ninth. Tenth, eleventh, twelfth, or thirteenth, and Miami wins that game. If they lose the division, or the uh, the the wild card, Washington's going to win the division, barring an absolute catastrophic collapse. But if Miami wins, uh, loses the wild card by a game or two, they're going to look back at this and say, "Man, we, that that should have been one that was locked up." You know, the division races. Some of them are looking pretty secure. You know, I think it's safe to say Texas is going to win their division despite Seattle going on this big win streak. I mean who you knows Seattle could wind up being a wild card team, but Texas just looks like the best in the West. The Nats look like the best in the NL East. The Cubbies look like obviously they're they're running away with the NL Central. But only a game separates First and second in the NL West between LA and San Francisco. Only two and a half games separate Cleveland and Detroit. Meanwhile, Baltimore and Toronto are tied and the Red Sox are only two and a half out. And, you know, if they ever got David Price pitching not like an idiot, then uh, you know, then maybe that'll become a race. So we got ourselves we got ourselves some pennant races here. We got ourselves and you know, again, we got to see what happens with the Giants. You know, they they wasted a great opportunity with Madison Bumgarner pitching the other day, uh, and Cueto did not look solid. You know, if if the Giants really want to take this whole even year thing seriously, then they got to start to turn things around. They got to start winning tomorrow. They've got more against Kaylor and and the Marlins, and the Marlins got to start winning too. I mean, this is. An interesting crossroad for some of these teams in the National League who are really a win streak away from becoming a big, big player and one losing streak away from basically blowing the season. I picked the Pirates to win the NL Central this year. Everyone else picked the Cubs. I look pretty stupid for that. But the Pirates are playing San Diego right now. Pirates are a better team than San Diego. If they start winning... I'm just saying. Hey, you know what I'm going to do today for the podcast? I'm going to go. It's Tuesday, and I'd like to answer a question from our super fan, Cubs fan with an eight. And he sent me a crap load of stuff. And I'm going to go kind of go quickly through some of them. This is kind of like a little bit of a grab bag of some of the questions that Cubs fan with an eight has sent me. There's there's some that are worthy of their entire of an entire podcast episode and some I'm just going to quick mention to. Um, he wrote this to me the other day before Ichiro Suzuki got his 3,000th hit. He said, should the Marlins sit Ichiro until they're back home? Let's compare this with Hank Aaron's march to seven fifteen. Now, if you're unaware of this, uh, Henry Aaron finished the 1973 season one home run shy of Babe Ruth, 713, which meant that entire offseason was a living hell for Hank Aaron because he got tons of death threats. But people who realized if they killed Hank Aaron in that offseason, he would finish with 713 home runs, one shy of Babe Ruth, and Babe Ruth would remain the home run king. Different times. Let's hope different times. And the, there was a rumor, or maybe this is true, that the Braves wanted to sit Hank Aaron in the opening series against the Cincinnati Reds because they didn't want him hitting his 715th home run on the road. In other words, they were expecting such a gigantic gate, such a huge crowd to show up to potentially see Hank Aaron's 715th home run. That they didn't want to have that. They didn't want to give that gate to Cincinnati. They wanted to have it as a home gate. And so there was a rumor, maybe a strategy, that the Braves were going to sit Henry Aaron for the opening series against the Cincinnati Reds. And Bowie Kuhn would not allow it, and they made sure that Aaron played. He wound up hitting the home run that tied Babe Ruth, and I believe it was the opening day of the season. But he wound up not homering the rest of this series and wound up going back to Atlanta and breaking the record there in one of the great moments of baseball history. So I guess what Cubs fan with Nate is saying is that um, Suzuki, Ichiro Suzuki, was stuck on 2,999 hits on Saturday in Colorado when he asked me, could they, should they have sat him so Miami would get the gate?" Uh, which would be tonight, for Ichiro to try to get 3,000 hits in front of his hometown crowd. Um, it, it does so many things that are different about it, it's not even funny. Um, now, first of all, Ichiro getting the 3,000 hit is a big deal. Remember, Ichiro started his career in America as a 27-year-old, and no one was even sure if he could make it, if he was going to be more than a mediocre player. And here he is all these years later, with 3,000 hits, and you got to wonder if he started in the major leagues at age 21 or 22, or even 23, how many more 200 hit seasons he would have had, and how close would he be to 4,000 hits? Would we really be thinking about him as a potential threat to break Pete Rose's record? But instead, he gets his 3,000th hit, which you know punches the clock for the Hall of Fame for everyone not named Rafael Palmero and Alex Rodriguez. And You have him doing that and being the Japanese star to show, yeah, yeah, you could be a position player from Japan and make it in the major leagues. So it is significant, but we have had many players. We've had 29 players other than Ichiro reach the 3,000-hit plateau, including A-Rod, including Derek Jeter, including Rafael Primero, including some recent ones. Now it's not to diminish that accomplishment but nobody had hit 715 home runs. If he was breaking Pete Rose's record of number of hits, yeah, I would think that you know it may behoove them to hold off and have him play at home and it would behoove the commissioner to step in and say like, "Hey, you got to put your best team on the field." Now, in terms of the Marlins versus the Rockies, in terms of where they put their best team on the field, you know, it's not like the Rockies are going to be putting a pennant winner on the field. And it's also not like Ichiro has played every single day. He's pinch hit a lot. He's basically a part-time player at this point. But the other thing, and let's let's be get down to absolute brass tacks, it's not like Ichiro is a beloved figure in Miami sports history. It's not like Ichiro Suzuki. When you think of great Miami players, it's not like well, you've got uh, Dwayne Wade, you've got Dan Marino, you've got Bob Greasy. Obviously, Ichiro Suzuki. No, I mean it's it's. I don't know the hierarchy of Miami players. I'm supposing that Dwayne Wade and Dan Marino are at the top. Bob Greasy and the the entire. I, don't, I can't do enough of the Dolphins' history. Uh, and sadly, there are no Marlins on there. Even though the Marlins have delivered two championships to the good folks of the greater Miami area, uh, the, it's not made any sort There's not been a player to have that sort of an impact on the team, which is one reason why I hope Giancarlo Stanton... Plays his entire career in Miami, so at least there can be an answer of who's the greatest Marlin of all time. But it's not going to be Ichiro. Ichiro is there because you know he wasn't in Seattle anymore. If he was a mariner, if he was still a mariner, it would be a big, big moment for him to break this record in Seattle. Hank Aaron was a brave. Hank Aaron was a Milwaukee brave and an Atlanta brave. He broke the record as a member of the Atlanta Braves, and it was a huge thing. It was an absolute huge thing for the Braves in the history of that team. After he broke The year after he broke the record, he returned to Milwaukee to basically finish his career up as a DH for the Brewers. But he was a brave, Milwaukee and Atlanta. Having him break that record, if he had broken that at Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, yeah, it would have been weird. But Ichiro breaking 3,000 hits in Colorado is almost appropriate. As a guy who has kind of shunned the home run as part of his arsenal, the fact that he got his 3,000th hit in Coors Field and it wasn't a home run, is a and he still was able to show his great speed, that's like the most Ichiro of Ichiro things that could ever happen for a 3,000th hit. So you know, Cubs fan with an eight, um, it's not a re- it's not a real apt comparison. I get it, I absolutely get it, but the fact of the matter is this: yeah, he's not a Miami legend. So have him get the hit somewhere else. Um, one other thing that Cubs fan with an eight wrote to me: oh, there's one there's one here which I'm definitely going to do a full time, uh, a a full time podcast on yeah there's some there's some good ones on here um oh here what where's the one here he wrote this one um oh when will players stop sliding into first base they won't do you know why well because we don't all make great decisions in a moment of panic and in fact saying you're panicked is almost a blanket excuse for making bad decisions. Who's going on there? Sorry, I panicked. Sorry, totally panicked there. Sorry. Bad, my bad. Just I panicked. So you're running up the baseline, uh, ah, ah, and you're trying to get you're trying to get to there, and it's kind of a moment of panic. And you think, okay, what am I? I gotta do something, I gotta be faster. Maybe if I dive for it, and probably in mid-dive, probably everyone in mid-dive oh god, why am I doing this? What am I, a buffoon? What am I, a maroon? Yeah. So as long as human beings make bad decisions while we're panicking, people are gonna slide headfirst into first base. It slows you down. It's not faster. And yet people will still do it because people make bad decisions. And let's face it, 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 it's not all about intellectual brilliance being in baseball. Yeah, it's somewhat of a cerebral game at times, but your athletes are there developing their bodies, not their minds. So sometimes you're going to have a nice piece of balsa wood in terms of intelligence running up the base path. It's always going to happen. People are always going to do dumb things. Go to failblog.org. See people doing dumb things on their bikes or on their skateboards. It's always going to happen. I know, Cubs fan with an eight, you're a smart, smart guy. I met you. You're a smart dude. But do you know what? Dumb people are out there. I know that terrifies you in Switzerland. But that's true. Um, One other thing I want to mention, because... I was going to do a whole podcast on this topic, but you know what, I don't, I don't think it's enough, and seeing, I'm basically just doing a little house cleaning today, the next, one of the other things you asked was, what, um, uh, what major league baseball cities will see before Las Vegas, and what would a Las Vegas nickname be? Um, this goes to the fact that there's talk of potentially expanding baseball into Las Vegas. Let me tell you why I think that's a terrible idea. Because we all thought Miami was going to be great. We all thought Arizona was going to be great. People were falling over themselves to try to get to Tampa. And as it turns out, Tampa, Arizona, Miami have not been great success stories in baseball. And in fact, you now have a wonderfully delicious argument between the government in Arizona and the Diamondbacks over who's going to be picking up the tab on certain repairs. And quite frankly, stop it, Diamondbacks. Stop it. Don't ask the people of Arizona to pick up the tab for your little palace. And now Las Vegas as a potential place. It won't work. It won't work for the reason that they didn't consider about Miami, Tampa Bay, and Arizona. Those are places where a gigantic chunk of the population has come from another place. The great writer, my good friend from my comedy days, Alex Sulkin, from Family Guy and uh, Ted and all these other comedy things, really funny, clever guy, had a great career, once wrote on Twitter, it's good to live in one place and be from another. A lot of people live in California and are from other places. A lot of people live in Las Vegas, Arizona, and Florida, but in their minds are from somewhere else. Yes, they are native Floridians. Yes, they are native people from Arizona. Yes, they are natives from California. But gigantic chunks of the population who love baseball cling to their identity from where they, I, they consider themselves from this place. I do that. I live on the West Coast. I never want to leave the West Coast, yet I'm a Red Sox fan. And I've got great friends out here who remain Red Sox fans, who remain Met fans, who remain Yankee fans, who remain Philly fans, who remain Oriole fans. You almost have to find a city where people are from psychologically and then have a team there. This is going to sound weird, but I think a team in Buffalo would be more successful than a team in Las Vegas because you would have a stronger sense and you have a stronger fan base across the country from Buffalo than Las Vegas. That sounds bizarre. I believe it's true. That being said, what would you name a team from Las Vegas? And in a sport where gambling is so forbidden... It's, such a, it's one of the obvious forbiddens that, you know, I would almost, you know, raise a middle finger and call them the Las Vegas Gamblers. Las Vegas Aces. There was a minor league team and a minor league basketball team called the Las Vegas Stars. There was a minor league baseball team called the Las Vegas 51s from Area 51. Um, and, you know, I like the idea of the Bandits. The Las Vegas Bandits because there's something kind of western and cool about it but also there's the one-armed bandit. But do you want to figure to put a team in Las Vegas? Just make it the ultimate middle finger and call them the Las Vegas Roses. You know, after Pete. So anyway, Cubs fan with an 8, I will do a full-fledged podcast on some of these questions you sent me. But I'm doing a little house cleaning today. And we got some big podcasts coming up this week. And, I don't know, think about what I said about a team in Las Vegas. Who's from Las Vegas? There's a lot of people who live there, but who's from there? That's a big reason why a team becomes successful or not. It's not as much to do with attendance. It has to do with the presence that the team has. So anyway... Who owned baseball? Big surprise, Brandon Crawford, seven hits, that'll do it. Uh, Rob Whalen struck out seven Brewers, didn't get the decision, but the Braves won 4 to 3. Devon Travis is oh, on a tear right now, four hits and uh, drove in the go ahead run. Blue Jays beat Tampa 7 5, and Hisashi Iwakuma, uh, seven shot an in inning, striking out eight Tigers, and Seattle won 3 nothing. Half Wops, Christian Yelich in the marathon game, uh, Tyler Anderson. Pitched well, but the Rockies' bullpen imploded. Logan Forsythe, got on base four times. homered. Rays lost to Toronto. And um, Michael Fulmer, seven strong innings, but Detroit lost to Seattle. So if you're keeping score at home, Brandon Crawford, Devon Travis, Rob Whelan, Hisashi Wakuma, full Halfwabs, half Tyler Anderson, Logan Forsythe, Michael Fulmer. Former, sorry, and Christian Yelich. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kalisky. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for what the hell day is it? It is the ninth day of August 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.